Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Episode 75, here we go, man. I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So I had an accident this morning as I was I was sitting down to pee, and I uh, called my buddy Randy and I asked him, I was like, has this ever happened to you, man? Like, so as I'm sitting there, um, you know, I like to sit down to pee because it's comfortable and, you know, I'm, I'm older now and it's just, it just is what it is. Listen, I don't, I don't sit down in the commercial settings just at home, you know? And so I'm getting ready to go to the gym and I sit down to pee and I feel this weird pressure, like this pressure, like was hurting when I was peeing. And I was like, man, this isn't, this isn't normal. And then all of a sudden I hear something and it sounded like, it sounded like rain hitting a poncho. Like it was loud. And I was like, what in the fuck? And then I looked down, man, I realized my, my ding-a-ling was smushed up against the toilet seat and I was peeing between the crack of the seat and the toilet. And it was hitting my gym shorts and my, my compression shorts that were around my ankles. I pissed all over my shorts, like I mean, all over it. And I just sat there and I was like, what in the fuck has my life come to? This is it, people. I'm at that stage in life. What you going to do? I just don't understand how how all that pee can go through an eighth inch crack in the toilet between the lid and the, and the bowl. And so, man, I pull off my drawers and, 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 and I, you know how hard it is to pull off shorts and um, cause, and and. Uh, compression shorts when you have your tennis shoes on that's how you know you're lazy i pull i pull my shorts off pull and i'm just walking around i got nothing on i pull my right around my tennis shoes so i just i'm just wearing tennis shoes and a, and a t-shirt and i had to walk back upstairs with these clothes and then um or no, excuse me i walked back upstairs i threw them things in the wash and i walked back upstairs and i had to put on new shorts and new compression uh shorts underneath with my tennis shoes on, I'm out laid back on the bed to do it. My shoes got stuck in my damn compression shorts. If you've never worn compression shorts, they're hard to get on. And my shoes get stuck in, and I'm pulling them almost through my back out. And I'm laughing at the same time because I just can't, like. So I call Randy, and I was like, Randy, listen, man, have you ever done? Randy starts dying laughing. He's like, dude, I've, I have pissed on myself through the toilet seat so many times, it's not even funny. So we had a good laugh about that. Have you have you ever done something like that? Like what's, well, I guess I'm not taking answers because we're not having a two-way conversation here. But those things happen. We got to get over it. 
So here it comes, man. I've I've had seventy five episodes, and I don't I don't think I've ever asked for anything. I don't. I'm not. I'm not good at asking for things. Um, but I I need I actually need to to ask for some help on something. If you have ordered my book from Amazon, if you wouldn't mind going to Amazon and leaving a review, that would be fantastic. And this is hard for me to even ask somebody to do something like this. So I get it. If you don't want to, I get it. But it's just a way of um, helping support that book. And I don't get anything for it. Obviously, the more reviews it has, the cooler it looks. Um, that's about it. But it does convince people. It, it does give it uh, more um, credibility when people look down and they see, you know, oh, 500, 600 reviews. I think we're up to 420 something. So if you could go on Amazon, just leave a quick review. I'd really appreciate that. And also, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, could you go to iTunes and leave a review there too? That would be super, super helpful. We're almost at a hundred reviews on there. Some motherfuckers are going on there and giving it one star, but that's cool. I mean, I get it and I know who that is. That's, that's either one of two people. Those are a couple of haters that I do know that I have actually. Um, but whatever, or it's people that, that tune in to a podcast like this and they can't relate to it. So I completely understand that. So I'm not mad. I'm not upset at all. Um, I'm just thankful for the people that are here. And unfortunately I hate that you do relate to it because that means you, you're probably in a fucked up place from time to time, but you're in light company and I'm glad to have you. So if you could please do, I wouldn't say one or two of those things. If you could do both of those things, that, that would be, um, a tremendous favor that you're doing for me. So thank you. If you can take the time out of your day for five seconds, I was about to say minutes, five seconds, do a review on iTunes and a review on Amazon for the book. Thank you so much. Have you ever noticed in life that when we want to do things, we always wait for the perfect time. Uh, most people, they, they want the timing to just work out on everything. They want the, the right job at the right time. They want to have kids at the right time. They want to take vacation at the right time. Every, everything in our life is a planning, um, is, is, is revolved around planning for the perfect time. And I like to say this is there's never a right time to do anything. I think when we're young, if we start making good decisions in life, I think you don't get behind the eight ball so much when it comes to doing things in life. I think, um, obviously from a financial standpoint, uh, if we get way behind the eight ball, uh, there is certainly never going to be a, a perfect time to do anything. But, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I was just thinking about the timing issue of, of, of things and how so many people waste so much of their life waiting for the perfect time versus just jumping in and doing something now. And figuring it out as you go. And we're just so afraid. We're, people are so afraid of the unknown that they will not go. They won't even dip their toes into the unknown. And so they end up going without experiences in life. And, and they, go, they forego what could have been beautiful experiences or beautiful memories because of the fear of the unknown. Because something wasn't perfect or something didn't line up the way that it needed to line up. And what made me think about this was uh, last weekend, we were going to take the boat out on the lake here at the farm. And I started, 
I started looking at the weather forecast. Now, when I was young, my dad would take us out on a boat. We grew up on the intercoastal waterways and the ocean and all that. And we didn't have weather apps on our phone. You'd watch the news that morning and kind of just base your trip off of the weather report on the news. Now, if that shit changed in mid-afternoon out of the blue, you were just fucked. And many times we got fucked. Well, I remember being a young, young kid multiple times. And being stranded underneath uh, docks with my dad as we were in these horrible, horrible thunderstorms. And I mean horrible to where there was zero visibility. And the waves would white cap and um, the wind would blow really hard. And a couple times we got caught in lightning storms. And I remember my father doing what dads do. All All they're concerned about is protecting their family. And I remember my dad, we would pull up underneath these, uh, these docks. And my dad would hang on, or he'd tie a, he'd tie the anchor line as tight tightly as he could around the uh, the dock post, or he would he would bear hug it underneath while lightning was popping all over the place. And looking back, I'm like, Jesus, the danger we were in, right? Well, times have changed a little bit. We have what cell phone technology, and so anytime I take the boat out before I go, I I watch the Weather Channel app on my phone. I look at it. I hit the radar version. I double check it because I don't want to put my kids at risk like that. I don't want to put them in that kind of danger. It takes, you know, one lightning bolt in a boat and, and, and that's your ass, Mr. Postman. So I'm checking the weather on my phone and everything is perfect. Everything. The temperature, the visibility, water temperature. And then I noticed one thing that wasn't perfect. And that one thing was the wind. Now, see, the wind can mess up a day on the lake or out in the intercoastal. If the winds get too high, they can create white caps and they can create rough waters and it doesn't make it an enjoyable experience, right? I've, I've, witnessed, I've experienced this many times as a kid and I sat there and I started debating taking the boat out. Now, the boat was already packed, fueled up, the truck was fueled up, the coolers were packed, everybody was excited to go and I noticed that that wind was going to be blowing 16 miles an hour from the northeast and that tells me off of that lake um, I, we go to Lake Marion here in South Carolina, which is one of the bigger lakes in the country. And, um, it's in like the top 50 biggest lakes. I don't know the stats, but it's a huge fucking lake, a hundred and some 11,000 acres or some shit like that. But I noticed the wind was going to be blowing out of the Northeast. And I was like, man, at 16 to 20 miles an hour, that is going to be brutal. But you see what I'm getting at? Everything else was perfect except this one thing. And I was about to forego this experience with my family because of one little thing not lining up the way that it should on paper. Now, remember when we used to fly this in the CH-46 uh, helicopters in the Marine Corps? I don't, I don't know where I heard this, but I heard it from multiple sources. They said, on paper, that motherfucker should not fly. But they don't really understand why it does, but it works. So, Marine Corps used it. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I, that always stuck to me. I heard it a bunch of times. Well... That's what I'm getting at. It's just because something doesn't work on paper and it isn't the perfect setting doesn't mean it can't be a wonderful thing. So I'm glad that I said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go and we're going to get whatever experience we get. And that's what I took from that. I took, I took my family out to the lake and you know what? We got there and it was choppy as hell. It was so choppy on the south end of the lake. And this is why, because the wind was blowing out of the northeast, if this makes sense to anybody. And by the time you got, it got to the south end of the lake, there was nothing to block it. So what I did is I went to the north side of the lake and the trees were there blocking the wind coming out of the north. And you know what? 
It was fucking amazing. And we had an amazing day. It took took the family to eat at a restaurant there. We went exploring the whole north side of the lake where we normally don't even go because we stay on the south side of the lake when we go. And we got to experience new things. And how many times in life have you not done something because the timing wasn't perfect or something was a little bit off and it kept you from doing something? Now think of how many times you've probably cheated yourself and your family out of great experiences because of that. So I would encourage you, don't think about the timing of everything anymore. It will work itself out when it needs to. Timing has a funny way of working itself out. I remember when we were having kids and all this and we... A lot of people say, I want to, I want to wait till I have kids till I'm this age until I do this. And I have this much money set aside. Let me tell you, some of the little motherfuckers are going to drain you no matter how much money you have set aside. I don't care. There is no perfect timing to have a couple of fucking kids. So go ahead and pop them, pop them out. Let's get them going. I'll tell you what I've, what I've witnessed over the years about leaders and leadership, which I talk a lot about leadership when I teach my post-traumatic purpose course is leaders understand that timing thing. They understand that, look, it's now or never sometimes. You can plan accordingly, but sometimes, uh, you you know, proper planning prevents piss poor performance, but over planning also creates unrealistic expectations sometimes. And I think you got to have a fine balance between the two. But I've seen over my lifetime leaders step up to the plate because when the timing's fucked up, they're just like, look, Let's roll and let's go make the most of what we got. And I guess that's where I'm coming from today. And I'm trying to be a little encouraging. If you're waiting on something and you're planning to do something, make it happen. Stop waiting for, for the world to align and, and, and do it for you. Go do it yourself. Make it happen. Because if not, this is what happens. When you do wait for, for the perfect timing of something, let's say it all does line up. Here's the problem with that. If you spent your life not addressing adversity and only waiting for sunshine and rainbow events, right? When you're in the middle of one of those events and a storm does arise, now what are you going to do? And that's, that's the chaos of it. And most people can't handle that. And that's the beauty of being a first responder is our life is fucking chaos. So we're used to it. We have been immersed in chaos for most of our lives. So we thrive in that, in that chaos. But when a storm comes for normal people, and they've only planned for the perfect, perfect fair weather day. They don't know how to handle that. And then everything gets turned upside down. And then what happens if another storm comes and another storm comes and another storm comes? Typically, they can't weather those storms the same way that we can. I, pre- I preach, you know, being uncomfortable and getting uncomfortable so you can grow. And I think there is a lot of, a lot of growth comes from discomfort. And a lot of stagnant complacency comes from comfort. That's why I always encourage people to go get uncomfortable. And just, I mean, just the slightest little things. Just to feel a little bit alive. Like, when's the last time you walked in the rain or actually just stood out in the rain and got soaking wet? I bet it's been a long time because most people... When it rains, they run. You see them run. They jump over the puddles. Nobody wants to get wet. And I sit back all the time, man. Anytime it rains, I, I'm i not saying I'm the model here, but I try to take that in just for a second or two. 
because it is uncomfortable and it's little things like that. Like, do you shower? How, how many of you shower in the, in the water? All of you, right? And how many of you wash your clothes in the washing machine? All of you, right? So what's a little bit of rainwater going to do? What I'm telling you what it's going to do. It's going to make your makeup run. It's going to make your fucking hair do something stupid. It's going to get your clothes wet. Big deal. Get uncomfortable. Enjoy it with your family. Stand out there with your kids and get get a little bit uncomfortable. Feel alive again. I'm telling you that the, the times in my life where I have felt the most alive are when I was the most uncomfortable. I've never felt alive. Yesterday I was on the couch watching uh, The Wire for the second time. And I was comfortable. I'm laying there just watching it. And I didn't feel alive. You know what I felt? I felt fucking depressed. And I felt like my life is wasting away. And it wasn't even, that one didn't even watch a full episode. And, and, and I started feeling like that. You know what I was doing before that? I was out in the hot, almost triple digit heat, triple digit humidity with a chainsaw cutting trees down and logging them because I'm doing stupid shit on my farm. And I was out of breath. I was hot. I, I was miserable. But you know what I felt? I felt alive. I felt alive. And that is the cool thing about discomfort. Comfort is fucking lazy. And there's no value in in comfort. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to just lay there. But other than that, what good does it do? You're not challenging yourself. You're not growing at all. You know, I went through a spell where I was telling you all about, um, you know, I've been in a fitness my entire life. And then there came a point, I guess, last year where I just kind of started mentally checking out of it. And I started making excuses on why I was checking out of it and this and that. It's because I'm older, my body hurts and all this. And then I realized I was just making excuses. And what happened was my travel schedule caught up with me. It beat me down when I was out, you know, back into touring the way I was touring. And then I want to come home and my diet sucked. And uh, then I would work on the farm all day and I did. I wasn't eating nutritious meals anymore, so I had no energy. And so, what I would do is I'd crawl up onto the couch because I just felt fatigued. Well, I felt fatigued because I didn't have blood flowing through my body anymore. I didn't. I wasn't feeling alive at every turn in life. I was felt dead, and I felt sluggish, and I felt run down. But it was all my fault. So I've I've started. I stopped making excuses. I went back to it. I was like, that's the longest break I've ever taken from the gym in my life. And I was on the treadmill today. And, uh, I was doing, doing cardio and I've always been like this and I was, I only, I'm a fat boy. I don't really, I don't, I don't like cardio because it does hurt my joints, my back and all that. And I do start doing these incline and and on treadmills and stuff. And it is uncomfortable. That's why it sucks. So normally when I do cardio, I just do a light 30 minutes, barely break a sweat. I mean, it, I shouldn't say barely, but it's not, it's not rough on me. Well, today I started thinking and I was watching that I was watching that clock get closer to 30 minutes and I knew in my mind at 30 minutes I was done. And then right then I realized what I was doing. I trained my mind to quit. I trained my mind to quit at a level that was um about to get uncomfortable for me. Because after that 30 minute mark when you're climbing uphill, you start huffing and puffing. So what I apparently what I've done my whole life is trained my mind to understand that I'm good for 30 minutes on a treadmill, but I don't really want any more than that. So if I do 30 and I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, today when I was 
going and I was watching that clock tick down. I go, man, Travis, you're a pussy. You, you're going to quit at 30 minutes. That's not the finish line. That's, that's actually where you're quitting. That's your quitting line. And right then I realized, I go, no, fuck that. I'm going to go ahead and do uh, 45. So that's what I did. And that quickly, I, I trained my mind that fast to go an extra 15 minutes. And, And I did. And I'm not, I'm not saying I've never done 45 minutes on a treadmill. I just didn't never liked it. I didn't, didn't like it today, but I did it. And I started getting into real deep thought. And I was like, I wonder how many people out there besides me train their mind that same way. We train it to a level of, uh, comfort to where we'll do something. And we know the second something gets uncomfortable, we shut it down. And, I was proud of myself for keeping going today. And it's not just like that 15 minutes made, made a big, it was a big deal or something. It wasn't, it wasn't that I did an extra 15 minutes because I knew I could do it. I just didn't want to do it uncomfortably. What I did is more than the 15 minutes. What I did is I flipped a switch in my mind to say, no, go ahead and go ahead and go and do more. Don't sell yourself short. Do more. You see, so it wasn't the, I couldn't do 15 more minutes. It was the mindset. I've allowed myself somehow in this life, and this hasn't always been me, but I've allowed myself to quit at discomfort. I'm not comfortable going the extra 15 minutes. And what happens is it becomes habitual. At some point, looking back on my entire fitness journey through life, I got to a point where I said, I'm only going to do 30 minutes. I'm only going to do 30 minutes. I'm only going to do 30 minutes. And there is a reason for that. Because apparently, one time when I went over 30 minutes, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't want to be this uncomfortable. So I went down to to the level right where I start experiencing discomfort. And I stop. And I'm good. And see what I did there is I created a habitual mindset of quitting at discomfort. And when you do that, And one thing, that shit will spread to other things in your life because you're conditioning yourself to quit at discomfort. Well, if I, if I can't go 45 minutes on the treadmill a day, then I can't go outside and saw these logs when it gets above 80 degrees. And then when I don't know how to do something, if a water pipe breaks at my house and I don't know how to do it, and it's going to be uncomfortable for me to try to figure out the learning process and how to do that, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call somebody to do it. You, You see what I'm getting at? It's not one thing. It's it's a buildup of things throughout your life where you quit at discomfort. Ask yourself this. What do you, what makes you the most uncomfortable? Doing what? What is it? I'm going to tell you what mine is. Mine is on that fucking treadmill going past 30 minutes. That is literally the thing. I've never publicly addressed that because I've never put this much thought into it. And I realized that this morning. The most uncomfortable thing for Travis House is going past 30 minutes on the treadmill. So guess what I'll no longer fucking do? I'll no longer stop at 30 minutes. So today when I went to 45, I, I actually the last two minutes, I said, fuck this. I, I, I increased the speed and I go, let's just see how uncomfortable I am. And if I'm really that tired, I jammed out for two more minutes uphill fast as I could before I was running. And then when that 45 minute mark hit, I went an extra two minutes and my heart was about to explode. But guess what? It didn't. And then I got off the treadmill. I was like, you fucking pussy. You've been quitting yourself for so long, so many years. 
on the treadmills. Now, do you have to go in there and smoke it every time? No. But all I'm trying to do is is relay a message to you. Chances are you're quitting something in your life too that maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should give it a little extra push every single time you go. That's called doing the bare minimum. When we do the bare minimum, where's the growth, right? And I remember back in my comedy career, I write about this extensively in my book, Create Your Own Light, so I'm not going to get in it too much here. I remember walking away from comedy, and and not even before, before I walked away, I remember there would be times when I were at my house when I wasn't touring, and I would say, am I doing every possible thing that I can do right now to be the best at what I'm doing. And you know what my answer always was? Was yes, I'm doing the most that I can be doing. Because if I could sit down for five minutes and think of something else that I could be doing, I promise you I would do it. And I I used to have that conversation with my wife. I'd sit there and I was like, there's something I'm not doing. And I got to figure out what that what that is. It wasn't just being funny. That was such being funny has so little to do with comedy. And I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but there's so much more than just being funny than to work in full time as a professional comedian where you're in demand. There's a lot more than just being funny. Um, there is a whole business side of that shit that I can't, I don't even, I don't, I don't even have enough time to, to discuss on here. If I had a hundred fucking episodes to talk about comedy, but I would sit back And if there was one little thing I could tweak or one little thing I could do, I would do it. And I can honestly tell you, I gave more to myself and to that profession than I think I'd ever done in my entire life. And I think, I think it demanded that of me. I needed that from it because at at that point in my life, I was, I was running from so many things and, uh, I had found my purpose in life up until that point that I just wanted to throw myself into it with everything that I had. And that's the difference between doing 30 minutes on a treadmill or going the extra 15 minutes and giving it, giving it more. We can always give more. You can always give yourself more. The problem is we don't give ourselves more, right? We don't push ourselves. And then we sit around and we bitch and moan about the outcome of things. You know, how many times have you complained that, well, I should have this and I should be and and, and you know what, what, what is fucking stopping you? Chances are it's you. Chances are you didn't give it enough and you didn't push yourself harder and you quit at discomfort. I hate seeing people sell themselves short and I hate seeing people give up on themselves and I hate seeing people get discouraged by adversity and we're all guilty of it. I mean, that's the human nature, right? You got to fight. You got to fight like hell that comfort bug. You got to, you got to, you got to push through it. That's, Part of the reason I'm writing this second book is, and, and I don't, without getting too much into it, I want to talk about kids like me growing up with nothing and being able to turn it into something. Now it's hard. I'm, it's hard to talk about this and be, and, and be like modest about it. So I believe I'm a very modest person. I am so thankful and I'm so grateful for everything that I've ever achieved that I have in life, but it came from sacrifice. It didn't come on a silver platter. None of it. I'm not saying I have everything in the world, but what I got, it's mine. It's fucking hard earned and it wasn't given and I respect it more and I'm more thankful for that. And if you would have told me that 
I would be where I am in life. You would have told me this 25 years ago. I would have looked at you and said, you're fucking crazy. Because one, I didn't deserve those things. Two, nobody in my world, I was never exposed to to those things, right? I was on paper supposed to be not much. And nobody, nobody ever taught me anything about business. Nobody ever taught me anything about getting ahead. You just kind of grow up and, and you live the life, uh, that you see around you. And that's why I, I trace everything back to my life about it, it, it to going into the Marine Corps and, and opening my mind and opening myself up to experiences. Because had I stayed in that, in, in the town where I came from, I don't think my mind would have developed the same way that it has over the years. And I think I would have just had narrow focus and tunnel vision. And I'm not saying that happens to everybody that grows up in small towns. That's not what I'm saying. But I saw that happening to me. And I'm glad I got out of that. And I want to be encouraging to other kids out there that don't know any different. Because I didn't know any fucking different. I got lucky. I actually just did something I wanted to do. And it helped me understand myself a little better. And it helped me open up my mind. And I I want other kids, when they're growing up, when I'm an old man, who and they run across a podcast or they run across a book about someone that they can relate to and see that, hey, you can do something positive with your life too. And you can have a family. You can be able to take care of that family. And you don't have to have all the money in the world to be happy. But there, there, there are little, little ingredients in the recipe along the way that can substitute for money, if that makes sense. And I want to be able to show people that. And that's kind of where the inspiration for that second book is coming from. When I look back at, at my life and try to translate that, I think I said it earlier in this uh, podcast, this episode, discomfort makes you feel alive. So does fear. Now, I've had a lot of fear in my life, and I think a lot of people in life don't experience true fear. And what I mean by that is they may go hand gliding or, or I, don't, I can't even say hand gliding. I, I, think that, I think that would have an element of fear in it. But when I think of most, most people, they live their lives without experiencing real fear. And I'm going to promise you, I've never felt more fucking alive than when I was scared. And I bring that up to say this. I remember in the Marine Corps, we were doing, uh, we were doing some training on embassy reinforcements before we were going uh, overseas. And we were at this facility. And in this facility, there was a sign up there that says, let's go get scared. And I'll never forget seeing that. And at the time I was like, damn, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Let's go get scared because fear obviously can control you. But what we learned at a young age is to control your fear. And that's kind of the beauty of the Marine Corps is that's what they teach you, man. Control that fucking fear, harness it and use it to your advantage. Right. And I've done that my entire life. And I try to encourage other people to do that too. do things that are scary. Don't take unnecessary risks. But do risk management, right? Now, nothing worth having, I think, is going to come without risk. But do risk management. I've always done appropriate risk management on things. But, man, fear has never wavered me from doing something I want to do. 
I've done a lot of scary shit, and so have, so have a bunch of us. Now, you, yeah, trying to tell people, man, like it's like you've never experienced fear till you've had someone trying to harm you, like, and I mean, take your fucking life. That's fear. You've never experienced fear, like running into a building that's burning and collapsing, and you're against Mother Nature at this point. Mother Nature has a way of, of humbling you. It has a way of scaring you. But when you can harness that fear and push through it and go do what's expected of you, that's a whole nother thing. And that's an adrenaline. That's the adrenaline of it, right? I remember we were, I got stories like this for days, but not to go story after story after story. But I, I was, um, we pulled a, pulled a taxi cab over one night and it had a suspect in the back that was, that was moving around. He, he, I don't know. He made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, on the traffic stop and I, we used to get a lot of guns and dope back then that's all we were after and so we were pretty good at doing what we did and I saw this guy moving around and I knew I knew someone right with him so I pulled him out of the car and the second I pulled him out of the car I saw his body language uh, changing very quickly and so I put him up against the vehicle and I did a, a terry pat for weapons uh, wink wink and when I did I grabbed his weapon I, I I reach around his belly and right, right in his, I mean, I grabbed the handle of this weapon and you literally had about a, a split second to realize shit, this is a gun. And he had a split second to realize shit, this, this officer's hands on my gun. And within that split second, the fight was on. And now, you know, you're fighting for your life. And when you are just in a fight, that's one thing. But when you know when you're fighting for your fucking life, you never feel more alive than in that moment. And afterwards, when this, when the smoke settles from that and you're still alive, that's an adrenaline high that, that is very hard to come down from. And I think that's that's why police officers and firefighters and military personnel they chase those highs throughout their lives. When I didn't have those careers anymore, those professions anymore, where I wasn't constantly having an, an adrenaline rushes, I was trying to find substitutes to that. And my substitute came from flipping houses. And I talk about this briefly, briefly in my book. Um, I there, There's all kinds of ways to flip houses, you know, financially. There's all kinds of ways. But... I used my own money. I didn't finance through the bank. I didn't use hard money. I put all of my money into it. And there's a reason for that. Was that the smartest thing? No, but I knew back then I knew putting money in real estate. If anything goes wrong, you're at least going to get your money back. You may waste a lot of your fucking time. It may be, you may lose a little bit, but you're not going to lose all of it, right? It's not like taking you know, 150 grand to a goddamn casino and putting it on, on black and letting it ride. And then you walk out of there with nothing. See in real estate, as long as you're not a fucking idiot, you go buy something and you pay cash for it. Chances are, if you do your due diligence and your homework, you'll at least get your money back minus some expenses here and there. You're not going to lose the whole thing, right? So that to me, putting my money out there like that on a house is, was was a was a gamble. It was a rush because yeah, you could lose it. Then I would pay for the, all the repairs. And here's the scary thing: sometimes it would take you three or four months to do one house. 
And so all that money is just sitting out there in the street. And you don't know when you're going to get it back. You don't know if you're going to lose some of it. Um, the market wasn't like it is now, uh, but it was it was still good. It was scary, and that's the closest I've ever got to having a gambling addiction. I've never... I think I think a lot of people gamble because of that for that very reason. They're hooked on the juice of it. And me, I got hooked into flipping houses like that. I needed that those adrenaline dumps. And so I'd buy one house. I remember I was juggling a couple of them at a time, three or four at a time. But man, there comes a level of stress. There is stress that I can't even begin to express when 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 you're living that way. And that's actually why I got out of it. Um, I got out of it because I realized I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I wasn't doing doing it because I felt purposeful. I wasn't doing it to help anybody. I was doing it to feed my addiction, addiction to adrenaline. And that adrenaline at the time was through making money. And that's after several years of that, that's when I realized that Money isn't what people make it out to be. Money isn't the best thing in the world. Having a purpose is being driven every day to wake up and do something that makes you feel better for doing what you do. And if it helps other people, that's just an extra bonus. And I was miserable. And I wanted to kill myself. Like literally wanted to die again because I... I was empty and this is why I encourage people to do things for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Because if you go out when you want to retire, I get people that are like, man, I want to leave the police world. I want to go get into this so I can make more money doing this. And I'm like, do it because your heart craves it. If you're doing it because you want to go make money, you're going to be unhappy. At some point you're going to be unhappy. There's, there's a million different ways to make money. But there's only really one or two things in life that are going to make you feel purposeful. So I would encourage you to stay focused on your purpose and to try to make the money on the side doing doing it like that, if if that makes sense at all. Because I've been there, man, and it is a, it's a fucking dangerous place. It is a very dangerous place, which led me. I needed that. I needed that in my life at that point to turn me on to what I'm doing now. And so when I got through flipping houses in 2016, 17, let's see, 2018 ish, I got back into comedy and I started speaking again and I felt alive again. It truly made me feel like this is what I was put here to do. And I haven't looked back and there's no better, there's no greater feeling than actually feeling like what you do matters. And every day you wake up, you look forward to doing it. I got on this topic because when I teach about retirement in my post-traumatic purpose course, a lot of retirees, they don't ask themselves these questions. They only focus on the finish line. They only focus on getting to retirement. And then they go, you know what? I'm just going to relax. Well, you know what? That's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to relax so much that enough time is going to pass. I'm speaking from experience. I see it all the time. Enough time is going to pass that you're not going to go what the fuck to do with yourself every day. And you're going to end up going crazy. So look for the finish line. Look for the end of that beautiful career that you have. But also keep inventing yourself. 
ask yourself, what skills did I learn along the way doing this that I can still wake up and feel purposeful every day? There's more than, you know, just retiring and waking up and your whole day revolves around your morning coffee. And then after that, you don't know what to fucking do. Yeah, it sounds great until you get there. But when you're there and when you're in the thick of it, it's a scary place too. You just don't feel like you belong to anything anymore and you have no purpose in life. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And it's a, and it's a danger that's not healthy. Like I'm not talking the danger that makes you feel alive. That danger, that kind of danger makes you feel fucking dead. And that's not what you want. So start inventing yourself. If you're thinking about the transition out of the services and start reinventing yourself and figuring out what you can do to add more value to your life and become more purposeful. You ever wonder what else is out there for me? Or are you just kind of okay with the confines of your life the way that it is? And the reason I asked that, the reason I asked that <clears throat> is because today when I was coming back from the gym, I pulled, I pulled onto my, my ranch here and I, and I look out and I see my horses and my donkeys and they're just in the same, one of the same fields that they're always in. Now I got big ass fields here. They're not, they're not cooped up by any means. And the fencing, you know, it, it, it goes and it goes and it goes, but I wonder why they, they don't ever attempt to leave. And it's not that they can't get out. And if they wanted to, they probably could get out. You ever see that image of that big ass horse tied to a little plastic chair? The plastic chair is not attached to anything. It's just sitting in the middle of it's just sitting on the ground and the horse's lead is tied around the arm of the plastic chair. He could clearly drag that chair off. And the image says, sometimes the chains that prevent us from being free are more mental than physical. And I think about that when I, when I pull in and I see these animals inside these pastures, I'm like, do they ever wonder what's outside? What's on the other side of that fence? Because I see them sticking their head through the fence all the time, eating the grass on the other side, but they can only reach what's right through the fence. Versus if they just got out, they'd be free to the entire world. But they just stay confined and they're happy. What happened? I I hope I'm painting the, the appropriate image here. Like, is that what goes on with your life? Do you sit around in a cubicle? Do you sit around where you are in life and wonder what's out there for you? Because if you don't go explore, if you don't, find and make the time to do the adventures and to actually really go out there and see what's for you. Guess what? Guess what you're going to have. You're going to be the horse and or the donkey in the pasture your entire life. And you're, you're going to stay confined to the pasture that you have cultivated and built for yourself. And you're never going to get outside of that. So what have we learned today? First thing we learned is not to piss through the toilet seat all over the back of your pants. Second of all, I hope you learned that there is comfort in discomfort, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. And I hope that this episode can encourage you a little bit to look beyond your pastures, beyond the fence that you've put up, put up around your own life and to get out there and do something about it. You don't have to be where you are. If you're in a bad place, you don't have to stay there. If you stay there, that's up to you. Nobody's doing that to you. Nobody is holding you back. Nobody is chaining you to a tree like some dog 
that that's being abused. Nobody's doing that to you. You create the chains that bind you. And you have the ability to break those chains that bind you as well. Think about that. Go get productive. If you're in a bad spot, fix it. You can do it. Hey, and let's not forget those uh, book reviews on Amazon for Create Your Own Light and iTunes for Create Your Own Light, this podcast here. Go leave those reviews. I appreciate it. I'll see you all next time. Love you. Bye.